0: And the sermon series, Keys to Spiritual Growth, the foundational text for this series is 2 Peter 3.18, but growing grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Uh, did you know that great musicians never stop trying to improve? The great concert pianist, Arthur Rubenstein, used to say that if he missed one day of practice, he could tell himself. If he missed two days, the critics could tell when he played. And if he missed three days, the audience could tell when he played. Uh, You live a Christian life. I think you're also uh, involved in practicing, if you will, to improve. I hope you uh, notice improvement in your life and spiritual growth. Uh, I hope you do not, though, notice spiritual decline. But it is possible if we do not practice the spiritual disciplines like a pianist would practice a piano. If we do not do those things which grow us spiritually, we will see a decline of neglect. I've been preaching this message for a number of weeks. Now we're on week six. And we think about keys to spiritual growth and over Previous weeks, I've given you some different keys to uh, how we can grow and how we do that for His glory, which is really what it's all about. Uh, Living for Him in spiritual growth is to give glory to God. Ultimately, that's what our lives are supposed to do. Some of the things we've looked at over the past few weeks have been confessing Christ as Lord aiming our lives at glorifying God, confessing our sins, trusting God, bearing fruit, praising God, and loving God. Today we add three more to that list. Uh, and before uh, possibly the year's over, I'll have at least one more, I think, uh, in this list to give to you. But three tonight we look at are praying, proclaiming, and witnessing. First of all, praying. I think praying is, is vital to spiritual growth. It's a vital key to spiritual growth. I know that prayer life is vital, but knowing it and doing it are two different things, aren't they? Knowing you need to take medicine and taking it are two different, knowing you need to exercise and exercising are two different things. Knowing you need to pray and praying are two different things. I read a survey a number of years ago about how much time Christians spend in prayer on a daily basis. And it said that the average for a Christian was seven minutes a day. Uh, That sounds surprising to me, but what was more surprising was that along with that study of Christians, they did it for pastors as well, and that was down to five minutes a day. I mean, that really surprised me. Uh, It's really shocking, I think. Is it any wonder that so many Christians don't grow spiritually if your leaders are not growing how can you grow and if you're not growing it's just not going to happen imagine if a young man john said to a young lady jane i love you you're the most important person in my life you mean more to me than anything else and you are the woman of my dreams but then he only spent seven minutes a day with her either texting or talking or in person, just seven minutes a day? Do you think that they'd be able to develop a relationship if you only gave seven minutes a day? Would they grow in that relationship? Would John, who only spent seven minutes a day talking to Jane, really develop that relationship? Would John, if he acts in a mechanical way and says, I need to contact her at least a little bit today (laughs) and do that, If John was lazy in the relationship, would the relationship grow if you marked it down to only seven minutes a day? And usually if you're doing only that, you're probably doing something else with all your other time. Or maybe you're talking to someone else. No, if John really loved Jane, he delights in her. He wants to spend time with her. He can't and doesn't want to be away from her. And I think in the same way, prayer is an expression of my delight in God. How much I spend with God in my time shows, I think, how much I love God. If I wanna spend a lot of time with God, and I do, then one way to do that is through prayer. Through taking time and spending time with God and talking about my day and asking him what he wants for my life, uh, praying about the things that are needed and the things that we long for and and asking him what does he want from me. And I guarantee you it takes a lot longer than seven minutes to do that. And so I think prayer, as I think about today, is just one aspect that helps us to develop spiritually. In John chapter 14, verse 13, Jesus says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name. Verse 14, he repeats it just a little differently. You may ask anything in my name and I will do it. Why does Jesus answer prayer? I mean, there must be a reason. Is it because we are his? Because he talks, do we talk to him? He wants to bless us. What What is the main reason that he answers prayer. If you look a little later in John chapter 14, in verse 14, and a little, you read in verse 13 to 14, these words, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. That's why Jesus answers prayers. That he might bring glory to God. We are a display, we are a, a platform. And our prayers, when they're answered, give sight to a world that needs to see god and so we bring glory to him when we pray and the prayers are answered god answers prayers for his sake as well as ours of course he loves us and no he doesn't want to leave us forsaken and no he doesn't want to not provide for us jesus talks about that new testament seek ye first the kingdom of god and all these things will be added unto you it's not that he doesn't want to give us things or answer our prayers, but that's not the main purpose. Everything we do is for God's glory, or should be. That's what it's about. So he answers prayers. He does it to put himself on display to a unbelieving world, understanding that I think it also increases our confidence in him. As we pray and our prayers are answered, we get more confident with God because we have an opportunity to see that exchange. And I think also we get more confident because he is able to receive glory and we trust in him more and more and more. It builds our trust in God. We grow spiritually as we interact with God in prayer and we see his glory on display. Wow, look what God did. That's what it comes down to. And I think the context of verse 13 shows that the disciples were greatly distressed because Jesus had told them he was leaving, right? John 14, I'm going to go away. And, and so he's trying to confirm them and help them with that depression. And so he says, as you know, in, in three of verse 14 and, or chapter 14, if I go prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me so that you may also be where I am. The disciples had relied on Jesus for so long. They were afraid to be without him. They were so close to him. And so much had happened in their lives that they just couldn't imagine being without him. And he had provided all their resources. He was the one that directed them to do and to go and to come and to get and to buy and to wait. Everything was directed by him. And now he was going away. He even provided tax money out of the mouth of a fish. Uh, When April 15th comes around, try that. (laughs) That would be fun. I'd like to see that out of the lake over here. He created food when people were hungry. And he was their beloved teacher in spiritual and theological and economic resources as well. He taught them what to do. And so they panicked when they thought he was leaving. But he left them with tremendous promise saying, don't worry, don't be afraid, fear not. Even though I'm going, you will still have resources. Whatever you need to ask for in my name, I will do it. I don't have to be here physically in order to meet your needs. That's what he was telling the disciples. But he says to us the same thing. Through prayer, I don't have to physically have Jesus sitting next to me and handing me something because he will provide for my needs anyway by not even being here physically. He doesn't have to be here. He still will deal with what I need. Now, praying in Jesus' name is more than a formula, though, right? It's not something we merely end uh, a prayer with uh, in Jesus' name. So I pray for whatever I want and add in Jesus' name on it, and I've I've done the right kind of prayer. Some people think that by merely adding that expression to the end of a prayer is a guarantee that the prayer will be answered. No, it's not. Those kinds of prayers, I don't think, get past the ceiling. If we assume that that's how we ought to pray, I don't think that will get there. It's not the proper kind of prayer if it involves a formula. New Testament talks about that as well. Those who go to the temple and pray repetitive prayers thinking that God hears them and he doesn't, Jesus tells them. What does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? I think in the scripture, the name of God embodies who he is. Isn't that what he told Moses? When Moses asked him who he was, he said, I am who I am. Exodus 3, 14. I think likewise, Jesus' name embodies all that he is. When you ask for something that is consistent with who I am, I think Jesus is telling his disciples and he's telling us, what my will is, I will do it. When I ask for those things that are in line with his will, you can look at 1 John 5.14 if you wanna talk about that. When our requests are in line with God's sovereign plan, I think he answers those prayers And our faith will increase instead of saying in Jesus' name, amen. At the end of our prayers, perhaps we should say, I pray this because I believe it is what Jesus would want to pray for. That to me is a more important thought in prayer. How would Jesus pray about this? What would Jesus pray for in this moment? That would eliminate many selfish requests, wouldn't it? I think it would, if we prayed like that. In our prayers, we should not focus on what we want to receive, like the little boy who pl- prayed, bless mommy and God bless daddy, and then shouted, and I would like a new bicycle. Her mother said, you don't have to yell, God can hear you. Oh, uh, but grandma can't, and she's in the next room. <laughs> yes, God can hear us. But... Just talking louder or adding something at the end of the phrase doesn't guarantee that it will happen. I may pray that a person be comforted or grow spiritually or honor someone in the midst of a trial. And I ask it because I believe that's what God would ask for. People have asked me to pray for people to be healed. I have prayed for that to be healed. But in my mind, and I tell them, I don't know what God's will is in this matter, but I will pray with you. I have prayed for myself to be healed. But just like Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. We know what Jesus wanted. Let this cup pass from me. But he prayed, not my will, your will. I think when we pray about things, we should consider that as part of how we pray. What is it that Jesus would pray for? And I think God answers the prayers of those particular situations that ultimately bring Him glory. It's not about what I can get from God, it's how I may be a platform for God's glory. I think occasionally and sometimes successful people have acknowledged the fact that they have gotten into an impasse, they are baffled, they've gotten themselves painted into a corner and they've sought wisdom from God. One such person was Samuel F.B. Morse. In an interview that he did with George Hervey, he said, Professor Morse, when you were making the experiment at the university, did you ever come to a standstill and not know what to do next? He's talking about the telegraph. He said, I never discussed this with anyone, Morse said. So the public knows nothing about it, but now that you ask me, I'll tell you frankly, I prayed for more light. And did God give you wisdom and knowledge you needed? Yes, he did, Morse said. That's why I never felt that I deserved the honors that came to me from America and from Europe because of the invention associated with my name. I had made a valuable application about electrical power, but it was all through God's help. When the Lord wanted to bestow this gift upon mankind, he had to use someone, and I'm just grateful he chose to use me. In view of these facts, it's not surprising that when he first sent a message over the telegraph, it was, what hath God wrought? Numbers twenty-three, twenty-three, which is, see what God has done? In the New International Version. Oh, that we would pray like that. Oh, that our thoughts would be that the primary issue of prayer is not obtaining what we want, but allowing God to display his glory. That's what it's about. Now, I think if we receive what we want perpetually, that may be great, but the, the concern is what glorifies God. I'm, I may be happy about, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting everything I pray for, but is God getting any of the credit for it? Am I being a platform for him? And I pray with an attitude like that that considers God's glory, I think then I grow spiritually. I think our faith and power will increase when we see him at work and we give him praise. I want to encourage you to Delight in God and the amount of time that you spend with him as you grow in prayer commit some time Regular time praying to God find a a quiet place to pray That's not you know overcome with all the electronics and the noises of, of this modern age and find in it your spirit in accord with what God wants I Think praying second proclaiming I think another key to spiritual growth is proclaiming you look in the book of Acts And and you see the Gentiles, when they heard of salvation, that it was available to him, them rather. Acts 13 says, and they were glad and honored the word of the Lord and all who were appointed for eternal life believed the word of the Lord spread throughout the whole region. If spending time in prayer is low among Christians, I'm afraid to ask about the Bible. Because that really does take some effort. You know, find the book. The old joke, you know, they used to tell when I was growing up. And the minister would come over and and say, "Hey, honey," uh, to the little kid. Would you bring that book that mommy and daddy read out of all the time? And they bring the Sears and Roebuck catalog, you know, instead of the Bible. I I think that's how many people are. I don't know how much time Christians spend reading each day. I, I but it can't be a few minutes. More than they pray, I don't think, if that. I must confess that I'm regularly surprised at how few Christians read their Bible regularly. They have a Bible. They may bring it with them. They may leave it in their car. They may leave it on the table at home. They may leave it near their bedside. But how many read it every day? Many minutes. Spending actual time in it. I don't think spiritual growth can take place without the intake of God's word. It's just not possible. Thy words were found and I did eat them and they became unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart because I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. We eat his word. We grow with his word. I don't think we can grow without food. I know I can't. can't. Can you imagine you come to church on Sunday and, and you have a great service and you go home and you have a wonderful meal, and you thank God for that Sunday meal, and then you don't eat Monday, or Tuesday, or Wednesday, or Thursday, or Friday, or Saturday. Do you think you would grow? No. Then why is it that many people think if they come, it's almost like an inoculation, I get a little bit of that Bible shot into me, and I can go the rest of the week. I don't think it works like that. We need it every day, the same, i think it's true spiritually that there must be a daily feeding on the word of god for optimum growth i mean how bad do i want to grow how bad do i want to develop i've challenged uh, people to read through the bible myself and i've encouraged churches to participate in programs members the churches took that challenge they systematically read through the bible in many different ways some look uh, you know uh, through the bible in a year or uh maybe it's a chronological bible they read or something that to in, ensure that they'll read through the bible each time i talk to people that have done that uh, i see in them a delight that develops in the word of god when they took that commitment to read through the bible say in a year um i've done that at many churches that i've been a part of as a pastor we're going to start a program this week and it 's read through the and you can get a card or a book or a Bible or something to encourage you to do that. I want to challenge you to do the same thing to make a commitment to read through the Bible systematically to not just read for a sunday school lesson or maybe for wednesday night or just when you come and you open it but you actually read systematically through the word of god i know some books are easier to read than others i mean when i get to all the bagats, that gets old sure but still take the time to read through god's word systematically and if you can't do it in a year do it in two years you can't do it in two years do it in three years but do it take the time to read through god's word and to do it regularly and systematically have a plan in place so that you know you're moving forward in that thing but but i think when we think about the word of god and we think about what it is we're trying to accomplish it is that we proclaim the word that's what we're doing We're not just soaking it in to have knowledge, but we're reading God's word to proclaim it. And I think that goes back to an expression, the more you give away, the more you keep. I think that's true. I I know when I teach people, when I actually teach it from reading it, I keep it better than if I just read it myself. The more that I can involve myself in, if I listen to it, if I read it, if I write it down, if I it to someone else or proclaim it to someone else, it stays with me longer than if I just read through something. I tell people I have thousands of books in my library. I may have 10,000 books. Uh, Teresa thinks I do, so I have a lot of books. And I have read through Many, if not all of those books, because I use them in classes. I use them for study. I didn't buy them just to create a a library. I bought them to read through. And so I've read through thousands of books. I can't tell you what all those books said. But I can tell you about this one. This one's the one I want to proclaim. And I use the others just to help me to do that. I think Christians ought to give high priority proclaiming the word of God And when you're silent about the word, you will, I think, retard your spiritual growth. When you don't talk about the word of God, when you don't proclaim the word of God. For example, uh, God said to parents in Deuteronomy 6, 7 through 9, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. The word should so fill your heart and mind that wherever you are and you open your mouth, the word of God comes out. It just overflows from your life. He told us in the New Testament, you will be my witnesses. You will be my witness in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and other ends of the world. You will spread the word of God. That's proclaiming the word of God. The word of God spreads when Christians talk about Christ. The word of God spreads when Christians talk about God who is and what he has done to reconcile sinners to himself, us, to him. I I think the Apostle Paul to Timothy said, do your best to present yourself to God, one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. That word correctly handles or rightly divides or cuts it straight, whatever your translation says, gives us that picture. Paul may have been using an analogy as a professional tent maker. You had a pattern and you cut things straight and you would sew those together because if you didn't cut the pattern straight, it wouldn't fit together and it wouldn't work. I think Paul's saying that unless you're careful with the individual parts of scripture, the whole will not come together and it won't make sense to the people you talk to. I think as we proclaim and as we pray, the message of the Lord may spread as rapidly and be honored, it says in 2 Thessalonians 3.1. Glorify God by proclaiming his word to people 1 John 3, 2 says, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. That's the goal, to know Jesus, to glorify him, to proclaim him. I think lastly, uh, you're praying, proclaiming, there's witnessing. Witnessing about Christ is a natural outgrowth, I think, of proclaiming the word. They are two different things. I'm proclaiming right now. I'm teaching, I'm proclaiming. Not necessarily witnessing. Witnessing is a little different process. 2 Corinthians 4 tells us that uh, Paul was hard pressed on every side, he was persecuted, he was carrying around in his body the death of Jesus. He repeatedly suffered and faced death for their sakes. Why? Because he was proclaiming and witnessing to people in the marketplace. Why? Verse 15 of chapter four of 2 Corinthians says, so that the grace, the saving grace, that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving and overflow to the glory of God. It goes back to that same thing again. Witnessing brings glory to God. He entered the town, he confronted people because he wanted them to add their voices to the thanksgiving choir, if you will. He wanted more people to know about God's grace so that they could glorify him in their lives. That's what he wants you to do, glorify him in your lives. And you do that by witnessing, by sharing the message with people. If you are not able to do it effectively, then go back to prayer and go back to the word of God and get what you need. I think that will help you because non-Christians keep you sharp. They really do. Because they want to understand. So the Bible says be ready to what? Give an answer to everyone of the hope that is within you. And so those non-Christians out there who say, I don't know, I believe the Bible. I don't know that that's trustworthy. I don't know that. And they make up all sorts of excuses. I remember witnessing somebody one time. And I mean, we had gone, we were trying to witness this person in their home. And they just kept bringing up objections and objections and objections. And I said, tell you what, let me finish what I'm saying and I'll answer any question you have when we're done. I went through the salvation procedure that I had to share the gospel with them, to share them who Jesus was, what he had done, how he calls them, went through the whole process, asked them if they wanted to pray to receive Jesus. They did, and I said, now, um, what questions do you need answered? Ah, I just blown smoke up your skirt. <laughs> he was just jerking my chain. He didn't really care. But once he came to know Jesus, it didn't matter anymore. Those silly questions he was asking. I think the world is like that. They keep us sharp. So I want you to think about those three things tonight, praying, proclaiming, and witnessing. I read a number of books I told you over the years. One of the books I read uh, was The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. A little bitty thin paperback book, old book. I read about mystics who kneel and would pray eight to 10 hours a day and there'd be holes in the wood next to their bed where they prayed. I can't, I, uh, wow. I read about Robert Murray McCheen who would soil the pages of his Bible in the wood pulpit with tears as he preached. I read about E.M. Bounds the power through prayer book that he wrote. He spent hour after hour in prayer. And I read those books and I often say to myself, I'll never reach that level. I don't know that I could ever accomplish that. But you know what? God uses us in different ways. Maybe I don't need to wear a hole in the carpet or a hole in the floor. Maybe I don't need to write a book about something. Maybe I just simply need to glorify God with my life. By praying, by proclaiming, by witnessing. I pray you would do that. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I pray that those keys that we have been looking at will make us mature. That as we focus on those that we've talked about, that the Spirit of God can change us and move us into the image of Christ. Help us to discover you as we grow spiritually we ask it in jesus holy name amen we have an invitation hymn page 429 429 as we stand and you sing